Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome to Are You For Real? My name is Tom, and with me as always is Grant. What's up, Buttercup? Not a mucho. <laughs> How goes it? How goes it, friend? Uh, pretty good. I'm a, you know, I'm getting along. Same here, man. I'm keeping on, keeping on. Um, yeah, it's been an eventful week here in America. I'm exhausted. I've mentally been through the ringer. Um, yeah, it's you, stressful, you right, a- with all this corruption and election fraud going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't even want to be sarcastic about that right now, dude. I don't <laughs> want to perpetuate any weirdness. We've got a new president-elect. That's how it is. I'm stoked. <laughs> well, I'm you sl- never know. There might be a chance of cheating. So I, I'm a little again, cautious. I, <laughs> I'm just be- glad the, the elected president that we know was elected for sure is is doing his best to make sure that um, people have faith in the electoral system. So in the election process in his I, words I'm, I'm picking up your sarcasm again grant <laughs> oh i'm just <laughs> just going off his messaging um i mean frankly the only person i would believe is the president on this matter so because i i put a lot of faith in proven liars and people that brag about sexual assault behind closed doors yeah anyway <laughs> This isn't a political contest. No, we hear it. It's not a contest our, show. No, <laughs> we hear it uh, at RUFO Real. Our, uh, well, we're not apolitical, but you can probably guess what our what our bent is from this. Anyway, hope you guys are doing well. Um, I, I feel like I've finally gotten some sleep over the last uh, the last week. Uh, my Ooh, work I'm has jelly. been yeah, my work has been quite uh, quite hectic. And I'm willing to bet that yours has as well, Grant, even though we've not spoken about it. Um, yeah. yeah. Not too bad. I took a few days off for my birthday, so that was nice. Indeed, been, uh, you did, man. Happy birthday, Grant. Yeah, thank you. And um, I was telling Tom off the air, yeah, I've, I've basically just been working and then watching uh, watching shows about narcos and like, insane drug dealers. So it's... um. My head's just filled with garbage. Uh, I'm getting back to the alien stuff. <laughs> yeah, we got another uh, we got another awesome one for you this week, you guys. Um, of course, here we go. Hang on, sorry. This, I got something here. Um, this this stupid microphone. This is this cheap thing that I got here. It keeps going. Wait a minute. There's no UFO news this week, is there? <laughs> Not really. Is, wasn't there an announcement though? They found water on the moon or on Mars? Or um, I, I, I did not hear about that, man. Uh, I, I have <laughs> shut. <there. laughs> I've been so uh, focused on the election uh, hullabaloo that I, yeah, I didn't hear about that. But I guess they conclusively found water on an, either our moon or or a planet. Yeah, you know, I heard I heard more. I read more about that NASA was going to make an announcement than what the actual announcement was. But from what I understand, there's water somewhere. So that's great. <laughs> Always informed. Guess what, guys? Again, we here at Our UFO Real, we're cutting edge, and we can confirm 
there is water somewhere in the universe <laughs> other than Earth. So no, no, yeah. Um, so on October 26th uh, is the date of the story, but NASA announces discovery of water on Moon's sunlit surface. So that's pretty exciting. Red. Yeah. All right, man. H two H two O. I mean, that's that's not surprising. I I suppose. Uh, I think that. Uh, this was our moon, right? As in the moon that I'm, you know, that I was looking at last week. Like this is, that's, that's, we're talking about the same moon here. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, it's speculated that the moon actually formed from earth in a cometary impact. Does that sound about right to you, Grant? There was a a comet blasted Um, into earth about 10 years ago. Only, it was only about a decade ago. And then, uh, you know, the moon was formed just super recently. So. I remember that. Yeah, it was yeah. after nine eleven. Yeah, it's crazy. Just looked up one day and there was a moon there. <laughs> it was a big day. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Is that that's pretty much the prevailing theory then? I, I don't know. Yeah, sure that's my understanding. It's just like chatter about stuff that I don't know about. Oh man, yeah. Sorry guys, we're going off the rails already. Uh, but anyway, in all seriousness, um, we've we've got a, a rad one today. We've uh, we are going to be discussing a a little movie called I Know What I Saw by director James Fox, who you might be familiar with, uh, was this su- who directed the movie that was the subject of our last podcast called The Phenomenon. But this one uh, is called uh, I Know What I Saw, and um, it came yeah. out uh, I think about 2010 ish or so. That sound about right oh, to you, Grant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just looking and I um, I was confused about that, but I I didn't. I didn't double check the date there. Yeah. Cause I thought that the post on YouTube said, uh, 2019. I was like, well, I didn't know it was that recent, but no, um, it was, uh, it was yeah, 2009. Was, According to IMDb, it's 2009. That sounds about right. Cause I don't know about you. This one kind of had a, um, uh, shoot. I can't remember his name now, but that like a, uh, <laughs> gosh, I'm sorry guys. I need a nap here. Um, What's the uh, Fahrenheit 9/11? Michael Moore. It had a had kind of a Michael Moore feel to me. Well, the, James, uh, yeah, the director was definitely uh, more into uh, more he character. Was more, he was more in front of the camera than he was in uh, the phenomenon. And uh, just right off the bat, I like the phenomenon better than this one. But at the same time, this movie I thought was uh, very well done as well. And um, I, I, I could see where the comments were coming on, like the. Um, the people putting down the phenomenon, if, if you were familiar with this movie already and hoping for something completely new, because obviously it, it's definitely following in the footsteps of his first one. And, and like you said, I, I think the phenomenon is, if you're inf- unfamiliar with both of them, probably the way to go on that if you had to choose. But um, I, I think they both have a lot to add. I mean, I really like the uh, the witness testimony in this one. You know, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, man. Um, this was... Uh, again, I felt I, I feel like uh, James Fox is a is a good uh, a presenter in terms of uh, UFO phenomena. He's not um, he's not a sensational fellow. He's not super in your face. Again, in this one, he was more. Uh, I felt like I needed to know more than I already knew, so I decided to go over here. Like he's there's a lot of inserting himself into stuff but it wasn't 
shall I say, over the top, like certain other directors that we've talked about on this podcast who shall remain nameless. Um, right. I was going to compare yeah. it to, yeah, that first one's a little more in, in that that other realm of the other doc of uh, Corbin, or Corbell, basically. But, um, yeah. The, uh, I wanted to say, too, I, um, I actually, I was listening to an interview um, with James Fox, um, which is when I started looking at it. It was kind of interesting. It gives a lot of backstory on the phenomenon. You know, it was about the phenomenon. It's on uh, the Dreamland podcast with Whitley Strieber. And uh, it's pretty interesting if you want some backstory on there. He's kind of talking about how he got some information. Like he originally, he, um, you know, he was kind of pursuing the story basically. So he was talking to Harry Reid and, and Harry Reid mentioned like, well, I think it's a big deal that these things are going around shutting down nuclear bases, you know. And so then he added, he's like, well, I got to look into this. And then that's when he, you know, that's when he started going into that research, which is a big part of the movie and pretty compelling, you know. So anyway. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But um, I got to apologize, too. I, I'm not feeling too sharp today. I, uh, I think it's lack of sleep here. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little hazy on this movie, too. So Tom's the note note taker here. Um, Indeed. I, I took uh, several pages of notes here. So um, this is again, this this movie is similar to the phenomenon movie in that it's a, a collection of several different stories. And um, another critique I have of this movie, which is, you know, a, a fairly minor gripe in the scheme of things is that I think they spread themselves a bit too thin in this. There were a ton of uh, small incidents where I, I wish they would have narrowed it down to maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe two thirds of the amount of uh, of stories just because um i think james fox was like oh my god this is crazy oh my god this is crazy this one's crazy too you guys got to learn about this one too so mm-hmm. i think what he he did in this one you could definitely see the phenomenon as an as an evolution of uh of this movie uh which again is entitled i know what i saw so um it is strange how similar they really were like it it does retread a lot of the same ground so i can see where people were having gripes about that in the comment section i guess i, I think they were might have been a little too harsh on it because they're both good films you know yeah. yeah you could tell this is when he was first dipping his toe in the subject and just kind of um just trying to find real reliable narratives and maybe even try to you know just trying to prove that it it's an actual phenomenon worth looking at i guess but yeah and not um, as compelling I, of a case maybe or clear of a case but well, I, I think uh, I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure this one, uh, I know what I saw, was actually a, a TV movie. And judging by the, the YouTube clips uh, that I watched, by the way, we're going to have obviously this link for this whole movie um, in the show notes. Uh, okay. I think it was actually made for the History Channel. At least that's what I uh, that's what I gathered from the, the clips that I was able to find online. So, uh, whereas yeah. the phenomenon was, it seems like a, a I guess a, a proper feature length film. Um, this one seems like a, a made for TV one that was, I, I can imagine was probably designed for like a two hour slot. And there's about an hour and a half of actual, um, of actual movie in there. As I thought some to, of the, uh, the subtitles or the, uh, whatever you call it, the little, words that popped up they looked very history channel like but uh yeah that is that is good we should make that clear that you can you can watch this for free on youtube and and we'll have the link in the notes here 
Yes, indeed. So even if uh, you think this movie is totally lame, you can't complain about it too much because it's free and available for viewing uh, in the show notes. So um, what Did, I think it, it seemed to hit like a lot of the, the, the topics that we've covered already. Right. Um, oh, yeah. 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 This is I don't think we're going to have a um, a super long podcast here. Uh because I don't want to just keep going over stuff that we've already gone over, but there are some points that I definitely want to hit on that I took notes on. So, um, having said that, uh, yeah, we, we, the movie starts off with the Phoenix lights, 1997. We did a whole episode on that. So if you guys haven't listened already, you should check that out as well. Um, but, but I got to say, yeah, looking at those, all those firsthand accounts, it's like, I don't think these guys were looking at flares, honestly. (laughs) No, no. Um, it was it, it was fascinating, like hearing all these different people from uh, from Phoenix to Tucson to uh, Scottsdale. Um, I think if there was even someone from Yuma, which is a border town right on the <laughs> right on the edge of California and Arizona, um, mm-hmm. who claimed to have, have seen this stuff. And uh, uh, again. Won't get too much into it, but there's a lot more in-depth interview with Governor Fife Symington, who was the governor at the time in 1997 when this uh, when this incident went on. Um, and James Fox kind of, I guess he introduces himself at this point, and he says, uh, "90 95% of the time, this this UFO stuff is crazy." i.e. explainable but it's the five percent the remaining five percent is what uh quote keeps me going and i agree that's how i feel about ufos in general is that i think most of it most of the time it's explainable that whatever phenomena uh you're witnessing or you've heard about or you've seen is explainable but it's that five percent or even less even if it's one percent even one percent or half a percent just the sheer amount of uh, stories. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what keeps me going too, man. That's what has kept me interested in the subject almost my entire life. So I mean, it it seems like it you it's kind of come to the point where it's either highly experimental government secret craft, you know, or it's aliens, man. Because yeah. yeah, I mean, there's yeah. no reason for these these people to come forward, and um, it, I mean, it doesn't seem like they're misunderstanding what they're seeing, like, but um, right. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, so there's um <clears throat> there's the famous clip of Governor Fife Symington uh calling out the uh <laughs> the alien, the quote unquote alien at the press conference and everyone in Phoenix uh was super upset about that going like, "Hey man, we saw something legitimately uh unexpl- unexplainable in the sky and you're reducing us to this um stupid little alien trope. That's not that's that's a horrible politician-y thing to do. And so they interviewed uh, – they, meaning James Fox, interviewed Fife Symington after this. And Fife Symington essentially apologized and was like, God, I handled that completely wrong. Like I, I should not have done that. And uh, um, what he he did um, was he actually got a, a gal named Frances Barwood, who I think she was a member of the, the Arizona Congress. Uh, she's one of the few people or one of the few elected officials who is willing to push for an investigation into the Phoenix Lights. And actually, John McCain uh, right. looked into it uh, personally. He's, he, yeah, was, uh, yeah. he was uh, to, told, you know, may he rest in peace. John McCain uh, uh, looked into the whole uh, UFO stuff. 
uh, either successfully or unsuccessfully, depending on how you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, uh, won't rehash the entire Phoenix Lights story, but that's how it starts off, and I thought that was a good way to start it off. I got to say, it did occur to me, um, listening to their description of the craft, that it could be some huge kind of uh, balloon-type craft, especially since they were seeing kind of like radiation waves or heat waves. Someone described it as like in the middle, they could see that it was kind of wavy, like when the streets are hot on a hot day in, in Arizona, basically a yeah. barrage effect. Um Except for they did the classic, um, and then it just shot off at an unbelievable speed. So that that wouldn't really explain it, I guess. But um, I don't know if they were trying to, and I don't think they'd fly it over all these cities either. If they were no. working on like a flying aircraft no. carrier or uh, something. No, doing some but, kind uh, of experimental thing, uh, unless it got wildly out of control and they were un- unable to control it. And it just floated over Phoenix somehow. But another thing is a, a, a gentleman was saying like, Hey, I've heard it described that this is actually what we were looking at was a B2 bomber or, uh, you know, a, a stealth bomber or something. Uh, he said, yeah, maybe that would be the case. But the problem is we could have landed about seven of those things on this thing's wing. Right. <laughs> so I guess the sheer size of this was just staggering. Uh, I guess. But- yeah. The point I'm making is, uh, but that's the thing. There's always these high-speed maneuvers that just are pretty much unexplainable by the laws of physics. But because you know the idea of just seeing a huge craft in the sky is is pretty mind-blowing. But then you think about it, like you know, you fill something with hot air, then it's going to float. So, but it's not going to be doing maneuvers where it's moving miles in a matter of seconds either. So, I'm kind of jumping forward to the Japan Airlines one, another one we've talked about already. But um, just trying to put the puzzle pieces together, you know. That's there. what we do here at our UFO Real. We uh, yeah. we solve the world's problems one puzzle piece <laughs> at a time. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I, I solved the uh, the climate crisis over since the last recording. So. Oh, you did. <laughs> Sweet. No, Make no, sure you fill really. us in. Put it in the show. Hot notes. air balloons. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you put in the show notes exactly what the step by step solution to the climate crisis. Um, I think uh, charcoal filters and. Uh, putting basalt in fields, something I read in a comment section. But anyway, go ahead. I'm All sorry. right. I don't mean to distract. Indeed. Uh, okay, so then um, we got some uh, rewinding type stuff uh, with J. Allen Hynek of Project Blue Book. Right. Um, and there's some interviews with Hynek uh, from the 1950s that are juxtaposed with interviews of Hynek. I think it was actually on uh, – might have even been on Larry King. Uh, from 1979, mm-hmm. uh, where he's kind of – where Heineck is talking about, hey, you know, my, my role in the 1950s, uh, how I was brought into Project Blue Book. Wait, um, was Heineck on there with James Fox? Because I know James Fox it was showing him no. on – okay. No, Heineck died I think in the, the mid-80s. So, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, okay. Yeah, it was just an interview with uh, – um, I, I, again, I think it might have been Larry King – where Heineck was saying, uh, you know, I kind of towed the uh, the the blue book line there. I was brought into debunk, and I came away not necessarily a believer, but uh, thinking that hey, these things are uh, these unidentified flying objects are things that require um, or at least warrant a lot more investigation and, uh, and need to be taken seriously. Am I remembering correctly too? Because Heineck was saying. Uh 
you know, he's like, basically, we were ordered to uh, to describe it away that way. And then it showed him back then describing it away that way. <laughs> so Exactly. Exactly. He said yeah. something uh, about it. Oh, you know, I, I mentioned he said I was told to say it was a star. And then they'd show a clip from the 50s of him saying, like, it was probably a star uh, right. along those lines. Um, and. Yeah, so it kind of. um it jumps around the the documentary does obviously there's a lot of stories in this one as i mentioned previously um there was a, a little there's a couple clips of the uh famous belgium uh ufo there's like a, a triangular shaped one from 1990 it was an awesome photo uh yeah. it's kind of you, you know what i'm talking about grant it looks like there's four lights it was a triangle and there was one on each um right it's kind of motion blurred yeah, photograph. and then there's like yeah. a red light in the middle of it. So, I mean, realistically, it could be anything. It's hard to, it's hard mm-hmm. to tell from the photo. But if it is uh, what the person claims it to be, then that's that's pretty awesome. Um, right. Black also, triangle. Yeah, uh, there's also a picture of a the Hudson Valley UFO from New York, um, <clears throat> which is it looks almost like a. I don't know why it just reminded me of a stadium. <laughs> it was like circular, and there was a bunch of different multicolored lights on it. And, okay. Uh, it reminds That's the one me with of the like guy the, on the video with his wife, or yeah. Okay. Yeah, and there's like a ring of lights. Uh, it reminds me of what Jack Murphy Stadium used to look like in San Diego. Uh, <laughs> now it's called Qualcomm Stadium. Actually, no, it's not called Qualcomm anymore. It's San Diego County Credit Union something and i don't know it's going to be demolished in like 10 minutes anyway but uh <laughs> catcher and catcher yeah yeah um and then we are uh a lot of the, the meat and potatoes of this documentary is uh yeah it was kind of weird right it, it kind of like did some stories that were compelling um and then it just went into this this gathering of witnesses you know exactly was- that's the meat and potatoes part that i'm talking about there's a group of um uh just UFO witnesses and experts, quote unquote experts or um, people at the national press club uh, in Washington, DC, uh, various military people from all around the world. And that's what was, that's what I found uh, most interesting about this documentary is this, this kind of like the phenomenon. This documentary also takes a global view of the UFO phenomenon. Um, and we're introduced to a guy named Nick Pope, who is the ex-ministry, uh, who's an ex-ministry of defense member in the in the United Kingdom. Uh, yeah, I, I've heard a lot about Nick Pope too, and I, I wasn't sure exactly who he was, um, but uh, yeah, interesting guy. He seems really genuine and sincere, and yeah, he's he's involved in the um, yeah the the English Defense Ministry and basically like their lead investigator on this or. Right. He he was officially, I guess, uh, from what I gathered, he was uh, asked to officially investigate the UFO phenomenon in England. So uh, he and he seems uh, to take it pretty seriously. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And uh, from that point, uh, we we learn about the Rendlesham Forest slash uh, Woodbridge base case in UK and yeah. uh in Surrey I believe is is where it is and uh god we got to do a whole episode on this one man we uh, do probably a multi-parter this, honestly yeah but, um, yeah for sure this is one again this is one of those ones that I saw in Unsolved Mysteries as a kid and they got um all these people uh from 
there's a guy named James Penniston and Colonel Charles Halt and uh, a lot of uh, American military members who were stationed on a base in England who had an incredible encounter uh, that they could not explain. And, and I've got to say, I, I floated it last episode how how I saw that skeptic saying that it it matched the um, the cycle of the lighthouse when they saw the lights. But from what these guys were describing firsthand, it, it didn't sound like they were mistaking a lighthouse, I got to say. but Not at all. And one of the things that actually really shocked me was James Penniston as a guy who was actually not interviewed on the Unsolved Mysteries episode, as far as I can remember. He actually went up, and I don't know if you remember this, he went up and felt the craft. He actually yeah. went up and touched it, and he said it was warm to the touch, and there was static electricity in the air. And he actually got a hand on this thing and took notes on it and drew some like hieroglyphic shapes that he noticed on the on the craft. Yeah. And were you were you familiar with that part of the story already? Or? No, I mean I, oh, I we got to discuss because, that. It gets it gets crazier than that too. But that that is a really compelling, uh, insane story. Yeah. Right. I mean, all I'd seen at this point, uh, up to this point, was uh, just the Unsolved Mysteries episode from my childhood, and that stuck with me. So yeah. uh, seeing another person who was not in the Unsolved Mysteries episode talking about um, how he actually put his hand on the craft, man, like that's that's I, I guess that's courageous. I, I wouldn't do that if I saw something that um, that otherworldly. I, I don't know if I'd have the courage to go up and touch it. Um, I, I believe he suffered some radiation sickness afterwards as well. Um, but again, we'll have to we'll have to actually do it. Um, they didn't mention it in the movie or anything. Right. We'll have to actually cover that in more detail. So we should probably just leave it for that. But yeah, there's there's a lot more to that story actually. But that's a uh, yeah one of the most compelling accounts of a um, a UFO close encounter. Uh, yeah, yeah, and there's you know, sci-fi and yeah symbols written on there. I mean, it just yeah, it's it's insane, man. And another cool thing is they have uh, the actual audio that they recorded. Uh, I think it was either Pen- Penniston or Holt had like a little. Um, yeah, alone two recorder thing with them going like, "Hi kids, we're home early." <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's strange. <laughs> but yeah, um, no, that's you Holt. Can... Yeah, Colonel Holt, the Colonel Holt tapes, and that's the one where I said it. It kind of matches. You know, they're going, "Wow, oh, I see it again. There it is again," and it matches the the lighthouse cycle. Apparently, I mean, that's what some skeptic claimed anyway. But um, yeah, I. I Honestly, the Holt one is interesting because, and he, you know, he talks about them shutting down the nukes and, and whatnot too. But, um, but really, yeah, the the Penniston one is the really compelling part of that story, I think. Right. Yeah, I agree, man. Um, and then they they interview a British Ministry of Defense official uh, who kind of his name is Lord Someone's I can't remember his name, but I, I should have written it down. But I was kind of chuckling because he's pretty much the most British person I've ever seen in my entire life. Definitely. Yeah. He was like the, the ministry of defense's official position was that everyone was hallucinating. Uh, however, in order for someone to be hallucinating with this magnitude, it would be quite uh, troubling if uh, either there were a, an unidentified flying object in space or if everyone on an entire base was entrusted with nuclear weapons was hallucinating at the same time so that was my uh that's the last of my that british accent that was yeah uh so again but I, yeah I, he said i, I should I hope that, that yeah. <laughs> yeah i should hope that would be interesting and worth investigating either way yeah 
Yeah. So either one of two things. You've either got a, a mass hallucin mass hallucination episode happening where there are nuclear weapons or there's a UFO. Those are his two things, and I'm sure that you know there are some other options that uh, could be explored as well. But either of those two uh, are things that are <laughs> uh, troubling, to say the least. So, um, and again, I guess Nick Pope. Going back to Nick Pope, he actually found some documents um, uh, that kind of contradicted the Ministry of Defense's official position uh, by. I guess there was uh, radiation levels that were about eight times the the normal um, amount in in the Rendlesham area after the right. after the event happened. So, There's a lot of talk. I mean, again, we'll just have to do an episode on that. Yeah, I won't get into it now. But. Yeah, um, and then next one we get to the Japan Air UFO. Uh, nice thing. Yeah. The one thing I liked about this is they had two things. Uh, they had the radar and cockpit conversation between uh, the Japanese uh, pilot and the Alaskan. Uh, the yeah. Alaskan. I'm not even going to like do a mimic a Japanese accent. I think that our listeners would find that extremely offensive, so I'll pass on that. But another cool <laughs> thing is, uh, you know, this whole thing was uh, happening uh, at the. Uh, National Press Club and Bud Hopkins, good old Bud Hopkins was in the uh, audience. At, oh, really? Oh, yeah. And so there's a that. there's a clip of nice. Bud Hopkins going like, "Hey, where are you?" in the audience. <laughs> so that was pretty. And cool. uh, I'm a big fan of Callahan as well. He's the one doing it. He's he's got a way about him. He's like, "You believe the government or your lying eyes?" Thank you. Good night. Mic <laughs> <laughs> drop, but uh, and right. I also loved when his wife was like describing him, and he was just like sitting there looking stern, looking off in the distance. <laughs> exactly. His wife was like, you know, he's gonna say what he wants to say, and you know, no one's <laughs> gonna tell him otherwise. And I'm proud of him for doing that. And he just kind of nods, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> oh man. But, um, uh, I, so, I do admire him though. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that Callahan got the. I'm sorry, because they were um they were showing the radar returns at a lo- at the same time as they were showing the recordings, I believe, right? And it, right. Yes. I mean, again, we've been over this before. We don't really understand how to look at those radar returns or anything, but it does appear like something's just like popping up next to them, and then it's gone. And right. Uh, you know. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's fascinating stuff, man. And again, we've done a whole episode on the Japan Air UFO, and yeah. uh, Commander Tarauchi who apparently was demoted to a desk job after a while. But, um, yeah, so that that was a, another interesting case. It was good to hear the, the radar returns and the cockpit conversation and all that. And uh, another awesome part uh, coming up after that was the Tehran UFO from 1976. And this documentary actually interviewed General Jafari, who was a, um, a pilot – uh, who was sent, and I think it was the second military plane to be scrambled uh, when there was when the the UFO over Tehran was originally sighted. They, uh, I can't remember the specific type of aircraft, but he was. Uh, yeah, we went we went over that one too. But yeah, he was the main guy that that had the encounter with it. Yeah, and he was the one that I was telling you in the end of the phenomenon. Some of that record, some of that interview pops up, and and he talks about it. And you were kind of mentioning it earlier too. But yeah, it's crazy. He seems like a Again, just like a, a straight up guy, and he's like, 
he says something along the lines of like, my first instinct was to shoot at this thing. <laughs> but then he's like, well, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. and I, I so, guess like the, 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 I don't know if he was unable to get a lock or if he was even unable to attempt to get a lock on this thing. But he's, he said he was going at the speed of sound, but this thing, I guess was essentially like yeah. multiple we- times faster. And I think I think we talked about this in the in the Tehran episode as well. Um, but yeah, he said like this thing was going what was it like thousands of meters in an instant. He's like, I don't even say a second because it wasn't even a second. A moment, like a, yeah, that's yeah. what he said. He said a moment, and he actually did like a little calculation. He did like a uh, oh yeah, a squared plus b squared. Yeah. He did the Pythagorean theorem type thing. He did the the a squared plus b squared equals c squared thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Talking about how on the uh, basically triangulating from his position, uh, it would have this thing was just darting all over the place at super high speeds. Um, right. So it's, it's it, interesting because I was just listening to I, I was telling you that there's a somewhat new uh, interview out with David Fravor on um, oh, I can't remember the guy's name now, but uh, it's on YouTube uh, and it on a podcast. Um, I'll, I'll pull up the name here, but but he's he's talking about just like pilots and how they have to think about space and altitude and everything. It's it's really interesting and in calculating movement at high speeds, you know. But um, yeah, yeah, your your life depends on it, and I mean not just that, lives of other people depend on it too. Especially if you're being scrambled to intercept something, um, you and, can't just be you can't just be like, well, I bet this thing was about five feet in length or whatever. Like you got to actually be pretty precise in your mental calculations. Yeah. And if you're, if you're trying to go, well, anyway, he, he describes it much better than I do, but you have to, you know, to be safe, changing altitudes quickly in a dogfight or something, you want to make sure you don't end up nose into the ground, you know? <laughs> right. And you don't want to rip your plane in half or knock yourself out with G forces and that kind of stuff. You have to know exactly what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, uh, let me see. It's, uh, not coming up yeah i don't know it doesn't say what the name of the ding podcast is here but it's a uh, lex friedman or friedman f-r-i-d-m-a-n um, all right the guy that interviewed him so if you look up that then uh you'll find what you're looking for but anyway carry on uh, sure uh and then the next one uh we hear from uh wilfred de Baurier. He's a, a Belgian Air Force official, ex-Belgian Air Force. I believe he's a colonel or the equivalent rank thereof. I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, he, again, was just talking about how um, there was uh, there were multiple sightings over Belgium. And uh, James Fox, the director, asked him, like, so did you ever get any kind of requests from the United States government to, you know, communicate with you or release ufo information he's like oh yeah we got requests but they were informal requests we never got any actual formal requests from the u.s from the cia to uh to look at our stuff he's i guess they have um belgian uh, the belgian air force has video that uh they would have released to the uh, united states government if the united states government would have uh, actually asked uh given a formal request um i don't know if i'm making myself clear there Does that make sense Sort of? Um, yeah, I think so. Sort of? Okay. Uh, they had stuff to give, and they're like, but you got to ask the right way. 
Yeah, exactly. You can't Belgium just you can't just come up to me and be like, "Hey, dude, let me check this out." You have to actually go through yeah. request it through formal formal avenues. bureaucracy, man. Yeah. Um, but that was that's when they did that that cut right where it's like we I'm just trying to show that it's not only nutballs that are into UFOs and then it cuts to that Belgian guy right that in right. uniform he's, yeah he's, he's a also, pretty stern looking guy right he is yeah. or am I getting mixed up with somebody else but well no he's pretty savvy there's a lot of stern looking people in this um, yeah um so yeah again uh, Belgium is another hotbed of UFO activities I learned from my youth watching unsolved mysteries. Uh, at least it was in the late eighties and early nineties. And, um, mm. uh, another interesting, Waffles, I've said it before, <laughs> I'll say it again. Delicious. Indeed they are, man. I had, well, dude, you're not going to believe this. I had waffles for dinner. Oh, really? I had waffles for dinner. How'd you know that? Uh, I didn't. We had breakfast for dinner and it was awesome. By the way, any of, our, any of our listeners, uh, we hope you guys like, breakfast for dinner because if you don't uh it's you know it's a big problem um <laughs> there's gonna be repercussions that's there will be massive repercussions from our ufo reel all right <laughs> we're gonna you're gonna hear a tantrum all right uh next next up is the guernsey ufo and pilot ray boyer uh he do you remember this one? Oh yeah, this English. one was interesting. I wasn't familiar with this one. Yeah. Yeah, this is another one I think we might need to do an entire episode on because I this is one I'd heard of in passing, but I don't have a whole lot of information on. I actually wish they would have spent more time on this. Um, again, I get this is a uh, this is a documentary. I wouldn't say for the uninitiated, but yeah. it's definitely an overview. It's not necessarily a deep dive. Uh, which is it's, fine. It's really just which a collection of interesting stories. I, I think it mainly centers around just that group of prominent government officials from different countries getting together or military people from different countries getting together and telling their story. Um, but uh, so who was it? Because before that pilot started talking, they were they kind of segued by it being a similar craft to was that like a Belgian one too? the where it was a basically like a fluorescent cigar shaped thing yes yes okay but the belgian one was also the the triangles right right and there were different there are multiple ones in belgium okay okay yeah Uh, and there's also the the, a parisian one uh there's a retired air force captain from france uh, who's talking about multiple ufo sightings over paris uh this, this guy was uh pretty um, I guess believable is another is, is is the adjective that comes to mind. All these Air Force people who are again tasked with uh, piloting multi-billion-dollar aircraft and tasked with protecting their their fellow countrymen and themselves and everyone. I, I give those people some credence. Over. I mean, uh, I mean, being down on the ground and seeing a something unexplainable up in the air would be pretty chilling to me um but uh being being up in the sky on the same plane as it would um not the same airplane but you know the same plane of uh, altitude uh that would make me pretty nervous i'd feel kind of like a sitting duck up there or something right and that's funny that you mentioned that because the guernsey pilot um ray boyer 
James Fox asked, asked him like, Hey, when you came down and like, were you, he's like, were you scared? And Boyer was like, well, I wasn't necessarily, uh, he's like, I was glad to be back on the ground. Right. <laughs> and I, it sounded yeah. like it, I, I wasn't completely clear on this. It sounded like it was a, not a civilian aircraft, but, um, he definitely had some passengers there and, uh, I thought it was just like a, just like a flight from England or something. Was and it? Okay. Going into New York, right? Right. Yes. Okay. Cause they mentioned Albany. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. He, Fox was like, Hey, how come you didn't, why didn't you mention to your passengers? Like, Hey, check this on your right hand side. You're going to see a massive, scary UFO. <laughs> right. Right. And he's you like, I oh, left just, to see New York. But, yeah. Um, it, but I guess he said it was just so readily apparent. Like anyone who was looking out there, um, would have known that right away. Yeah, and you probably don't want to cause panic on board your flight. No, not on an aircraft, man. You don't want people. There's something odd out the right window. I can't really explain it. It looks like a huge UFO. Uh, but it, yeah, basically these are. So he saw like a glowing, a glowing cigar, sh- large. Like he couldn't really tell the distance. It sounded like, but um, he thinks it was pretty large. Yeah, he thinks it was massive, yellow and orange. Um, and he, he assumed it was in charge, because. Um, because he was not in charge of the situation. And then another one appeared behind it. No, it was definitely uh, large and in charge. Yeah, yeah. Um, creepy, man. <laughs> I wonder, it would have been interesting, like, could people see it from New York City or anything? I don't, I don't know. It's just... Um, not, there, there was no strange that this isn't that, a Phoenix but, Lights situation, since it, there should have been so many people that saw it, you know? But Because um, he said, yeah, the passengers... We're just staring at it, basically. Yeah. I mean, maybe they were far enough off the coast that it wasn't readily visible from the mainland, but yeah. I, I don't know. Um, again. And he was uh, able to go in and land, basically. He, he got got worried and was able to go in and land. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. We'll I mean, I, I can't for the life of me figure out why he didn't try and engage with this thing with an entire plane full of people. But, hey, you know. Yeah, uh, not everyone's as bra- not everyone's as brave as me. Right. <laughs> um. And then there was a an incident over Stephenville, Texas, where uh, dozens of people um, witnessed a UFO and they saw military jets in pursuit. I guess Stephenville, Texas, is a uh, I guess there's an Air Force base near there, or there's some kind of base. Uh, so the people in Stevensville are very familiar with different kinds of military craft like that are flying around there all the time. And a lot of people they interviewed in Stevensville, Texas, were like, hey, we saw something bizarre up there. And then we saw a couple military jets pursuing this thing. They were not able to catch up to it. What's going on? And, of course, the uh, th- there was never any satisfactory answer given. That's another thing I want to bring up before I forget. Um, another good thing I like about this documentary is it's a very interesting um, thought piece on how differently the United States treats the UFO phenomena as opposed to uh, the United Kingdom and France and I think uh, to a lesser degree Belgium uh, because it sounds like you can – as Nick Pope was saying, you can go online and just look up thousands and thousands of declassified documents um, mm. regarding the, regarding UFOs that that have been <clears throat> investigated by 
that have been investigated in the UK over the years, which is something that the United States government has like seriously dug their heels on, dug their heels in on for a very, very long time. So uh, I don't know what that, I guess, read into that what you will about how the, the various governments, um, respect the intelligence of their <laughs> of their citizens or their citizens ability to not panic uh you know read into that what you will but did you get that as well did you notice there was that was a definite theme that i picked up on anyway yeah yeah that is interesting uh in that interview fraber was kind of talking about that because it, it it's a pretty good interview the guy's really thoughtful that does the interviews and um and he was talking just about his attitude at the time he was you know, it was something weird that happened, but he didn't really dwell on it or all, at all or become fixated on it. Or it was just something that happened to him, basically, until years later where it became a, a bigger story on the Internet and everything. Um, oh. David Fravor, that is. And and he kind of theorized that, that maybe it's kind of this military mindset, you know, where it's like, OK, I, I don't know what that was, but I'm not on a need to know. So, you know, and then. um and there's nothing. I mean, what's the military going to do with these stories? You know, so he just figures it's kind of like um, they just if they don't know how to explain it or something, then it's top secret and then move on, you know. But um, I don't know. It seems that there's a pattern like this. But then if if each individual story is made top secret, then nobody's going to see the connections, I suppose. I don't know. I guess you should listen to the interview. He, he explains it better than I do. But cool. Uh, yeah, man. Trying to. Uh- yeah. yeah, there's just, uh, just I guess, I don't want to say varying levels of respect for the citizenry, but uh, just, I guess, a different approach. Um, well, he does say there's absolutely stuff that he doesn't think that your average Joe needs to know about, you know, for national security reasons. But, sure, uh, sure. And I don't think everyone should know exactly where our nuclear weapons are stored. And I mean, that would just... <laughs> That would be a bit, a bit dangerous. Uh, <laughs> but he does. Kind of, uh, he's a he's a really smart guy, you know. It seems like uh, David Sex Fravor, and um, he makes the the point that um, again that we've heard before. It's a common refrain, but um, you know, from what he saw that Tic Tac do and maneuverability wise, like it was levels above what any university is talking about studying or moving towards or anything like too many steps in between where that could really be going on, on, on the DL in the American government or anywhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, as the documentary progresses, it kind of winds down with a couple stories from, uh, American astronaut, uh, Gordon Cooper and Edgar Mitchell, uh, both I've seen both of those interviews before. I think, in fact, we've even talked about them on previous episodes, so I won't uh, go over them too much. But um, again, that that Gordon Cooper story where he talks about, I think it was in 1953-ish at Edwards Air Force Base, he saw uh, a UFO land, and he uh, had I love some that film. interview. Yeah, it's so good, man. Like he had some, uh, uh, he got some film of this thing landing, and then he passed it on to the proper channels. I guess he. he uh, he passed it on to somebody and then, uh, James Fox is like, so how did you, did you keep in touch? Like, how did you, did you figure out where it went? And he's like, how am I supposed to do something like that in the military? How am like, I going to do that? Yeah, exactly. I can't do it, but uh, he's got yeah, a draw yeah, to Gordon, him. Gordon Cooper is like, how am I going to do that? <laughs> yeah. 
Who am I going to follow up with? <laughs> yeah, yeah. With who? Who am I going to follow up with? And he yeah. basically makes the point I just tried to make a little a little better. Like, yeah, if, if you're not part of the investigation, then how are you supposed to find any information? Like, there's not like a hotline you can call and be like, hey, does anyone got some UFO stuff up in the higher up, some top secret information? Right. I shot this really neat film. Uh, could you guys give it back to me or tell me at least where I can look at it again? They're like, no, dude. <laughs> wouldn't that be insane though if there just was a secret flying saucer program because it seems weird that they would be working on it back in the day like we were talking about and then um they would just give it up i guess but um it yeah. also as i just said it seems strange that they would be this advanced in a, a program that nobody has any knowledge of or anything yeah so um you know that was that was pretty much where my notes end. Uh, I think there might have been another story or two from. Uh, I think there was another one from France. Uh, with a there was a, a I don't think they were Parisian, uh, but there was a, a, a French couple who saw uh, who saw something and landed in a field near them, and they actually got some uh, impressions from the from the field and uh, the. the the French, it was either the French media. I think the French media labeled him as like a UFO nut or something. It's like, I'm not a UFO nut, man. Like I just saw something out of the ordinary here and I want to know what it was. Like that's right. like, I'm not saying it was a UF, like an alien. I just want to know what this thing was. So yeah. I think that's another common refrain that a lot of people have is that, Hey, whether it's uh, otherworldly or whether it's not otherworldly, I just I want to know what I'm looking at here. I want to know what I experienced, and I don't think that's unfair of me to to ask. I I that we didn't really mention it either, but they had some clips of just like people being kind of skeptical about it. I think just like man on man on the street interviews, mm-hmm. of like, hey, what yeah. do you think? You give any credence to UFOs or anything? And then people just start kind of like talking down about the phenomenon basically but yeah, it's, it's which, interesting to juxtapose those with like the people that were just like in their house in in phoenix and their you know their sister called them out and the whole family saw this thing that they cannot explain just and then just take off it in a split second um and and yeah a lot of i mean i, I think a few of them say like i don't believe in ufos or you know i never believed in any of this stuff but when you see something like that then how do you explain it and then the government just laughs it off as flares or something you know yeah and your whole world changes man like <laughs> you know you know i mean there's i know what i saw all right <laughs> <laughs> that, that guy that's where the, the title comes from actually the guy says that i know what i saw it wasn't it wasn't flares but here's the thing do you really know what you saw though i don't know i think a more proper title for this film would be i don't know what i saw <laughs> Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Maybe, or I know what it wasn't. How about that? I can't identify what I saw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway. It but, uh, no, yeah. No, it, it, maybe it, I think a better title for this film would be called It Wasn't Swamp Gas. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I know what a shooting star looks like or a Venus. Yeah. Um, yeah, but basically, I just wanted to, uh, you know, as soon as I saw it and started with the Phoenix Lights, I'm like, oh boy, I'm gonna let Tom know about this. Oh, thing. and I'm so glad you did, man. Again, I got nothing, uh, pretty much nothing but good things to say. Again, I think the phenomenon was a superior film, but you right. do have to pay for that, which I have no problem doing. I have no problem mm-hmm. paying for um, quality anything, 
You know, I don't think we should expect anything for free. That's not. <laughs> but at the same time, I was very pleased to see this one. This is uh, some really neat interviews and some interesting footage and photos and all that. And it's uh, it is available for free on YouTube. Yeah. And I love I mean, I love watching this. I mean, if you're if you're into the phenomenon, then it's definitely worth a watch because, you know, even if they're not no new stories, like I said, it it kind of retreads a lot of ground that we've done on the show because it is finding the most reliable narratives, basically, and um, firsthand accounts, which is what I like. And it it covers I mean, it it really does go hand in glove with the phenomenon. It it covers a lot of the same ground, you know, but uh, interesting perspectives. And I think. Yeah, just if you like listening to uh, believable firsthand accounts of strange things in this guy, this is your movie. Yeah, and not just uh, not just listening. Again, there's some pretty neat footage too. Yeah, yeah, the footage was really good, right? Like some of it. Yeah, agreed. All right, well, um, that about does it for me. I think uh, you got anything else you want to say about this movie? Um. I'll give it four out of five stars. Maybe five four stars. Five. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. if, I hadn't, if I hadn't just seen The Phenomenon a, a few weeks ago, then uh, I would have loved this movie even more probably. But uh, yeah. Good call, James Fox, he's a good good uh, UFO documentarian, I believe. Agreed. 100%. So, um, again, guys, we, we appreciate all the all the, the listening. <laughs> appreciate you guys uh, tuning in every time. I know we've been very sporadic with our, with our shows lately, but we're going to really try and get back on the bi-weekly uh, twice a month. Uh, yeah. I opened my <laughs> every other week before we yeah. started recording, but uh, yeah, I, I don't I know. want to get back to it, you know, um, our, just our, yeah. we've been very, uh, we've been very swamped with uh, professional and personal lives lately. And uh you know, we love doing this and we love hearing from you guys. So as, as always, you know, oh, and you know, we might have a, we might have a, a very special episode coming up here pretty soon. I won't give anything away, but uh, just a, just a little tantalizing hint right there. We might have a very, very special episode coming up. So yeah. just uh, keep, just fine. tune in. Yeah. All, All right. right. All right. Well, uh, this is and Grant. Then- signing off this is tom (laughs) guys i want you to you know keep your keep your eyes in the skies and keep your feet on the ground we love you guys yeah love you lots bye